elf and the beep. Ooh, Mandalorian starting this Friday. That's why I was doing that because it's a similar sound, right? Yeah. And it starts very soon. So, welcome to What Are You Guys Talking About? What are you guys talking about? So, if you catch that little blip, I don't know if I'll edit it out. We were just talking about the Mando start soon. The problem is, we've got a kind of a full schedule, Ed. We've got today, we're going to be talking about. Fright Fest, uh, the big one in October, and Relic, which is our film that we picked to to do that. So um, a very good choice on our part. Next week, as long as he confirms it, he's going to be this next week or the week after. I think it's next week. We are going to have Adam Stovall on the show. So we've already actually had the interview with him. It went wonderfully, and it was such a pleasure, Adam. And thank you so much for letting us have your time like that. But um, he's got he's playing at uh, the Dead and Sudbury Festival towards the middle of November. We'll have dates and everything up. You know me, promotion machine. I'll be I'll be working your corner this one of Ghost Waits because we've got a podcast connected to it. So very smart of you, Adam, because <laughs> you'll get twice the publicity now because I'll put it out there. At any rate, thank you so much for coming on the show. But just for all of you who might be new listeners, catching from the Fright Fest group and coming on for the first time or something like that, a little bit about the show. It's just Ed and I, we are independent film producers, you know, makers, all that good stuff. I just got my, my, my Panasonic G80, which doesn't hold a candle to Ed's black magic, but I have a camera now, so ha, 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 Ed. <laughs> but this is our show to kind of talk through topics as filmmakers, and um, it very much kind of gives you an insight into how we make films, what we think about when we make films. Ed is an experienced filmmaker, so he's been around, what, 15 years making films? When did you start? 2009. 2009. Wow, seriously. 11, 11 years. Right, right. And so people know, we've known each other since, what, 2005 then? 2005, so four yeah. years after we met. Mm-hmm. Magic, the magic started. The it seed, took four years of talking the, about it. That's right. The seed was planted. And that's all we used to do. I only knew Ed because we used to just call, we, we were best buds in Korea. And then we, you know, I moved to England with my wife. He stayed in Korea, and then we just were Facebook buddies. And so I was always promoting his films and his shorts because I thought they were awesome. We're going to have them up on the website within the next month or two. We just need to get them out of storage. And you guys will get to see just how talented Ed is behind a camera. But then he moved to England. And, and not just he moved to England, guys. He moved down the road from me. So he's 20 minutes down the road from my house. This is why we do this stuff all the time. So this podcast is basically you are in the heart of LVP Studio. We pick a topic, usually a film or something else, and talk about it. And then just give you our eyes. Um, the type of people who listen to the show, indie filmmakers, we do get a lot of good feedback from indie filmmakers who like listening to the show. Also people who like listening about indie film and kind of what the struggles are of young filmmakers. So just kind of set that out because I mean, we're on episode like 48 or 49 now and I'm not yeah, sure I've ever actually, 50. you know, to be fair, in another week the show's, the show's premise could completely change because it's part of the show. It's my show. We just talk about stuff. So... There you go. If you want to catch us, though, we are currently on SoundCloud, moving to Anchor FM soon, because everybody is, but we're on SoundCloud, and you can get us through almost every podcasting venue. Check out the website, www.lawvictoriaproductions.com, and then also check us out on social media. We've got Facebook pages with our names, um, Ed's on Instagram with a nano LVP, and I'm Jazzy J. Chereau, Twitter, Mouth Love Victoria, and Ed is Ananoski Prod, a, a shout-out to his, his old production company, Before Love Victoria, and then LinkedIn, we've got a company page, and we both, of course, have our own profiles just be warned my profile on linkedin is all about my day job so you won't see much about the film stuff there you have to go to the company page if you want that information okay i've said it i've talked i'm going crazy on this stuff so talking about relic let's start with that and then we can talk about you know towards the end we'll talk more about fright fest in general but let's start with the film to give it the proper praise that it does first impressions or or first views for people Mm. on relic before we start diving into it i mean proper horror film 
Mm. Proper, proper horror film. It taps into certain universal things that I think are um, very scary. Uh, the idea of losing a parent, mm. um, particularly, you know, kind of losing them while them still being there, whether it's dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that. Almost a waking death. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also the kind of creepiness of your grandparents' home. I don't know if you ever experienced that. Absolutely. I spent a lot of time, at least my, my father's parents, those were the ones I was close with. So I spent yeah. a lot of times. And to be fair, actually, my, my mother's mother, um, that was kind of the... Oh, the... hello. <laughs> I'll just hang on. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Um, and that's good, because I can just edit that bit out. So what I was saying is, you know, my mother's mother, my, my grandma, I wasn't as close with her. And she was a really Connie Dixon, cool person, really cool, really cool person. But I didn't know her as well. And, mm. and her house had that smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if that kind of stuff freaks you out, what you have to watch then is the Shalomon that's on that. About, like, there's a, and I can't remember, it was called, I think it's called The Visit. And basically, it's about two kids that get reunited with their long-lost grandparents. And yeah. so, this woman hasn't spoken with her parents in like 20 years, had kids, and now they're going to go to grandma and grandpa's for the first time. The reason that film works, and I hate that it works, because I really hate when this guy nails it, uh -huh. another good film, which I'm like, that's the same thing every yeah, yeah. time. But it's because it's what you're talking about. You were in this creepy house, mm. and they do slightly creepy things at first, and it gets worse, that mm. whole point. Right, right. But it, it goes through that. Like, your parents in the 80s used to just dump you yeah, yeah. out of grandparents. They'd be like, good luck! And it's like, I mean, you can't even do that anymore. I, mean, I guess you can, if they're, they live close or something like that. Mm. But... You know, the days I used to get on a plane to see my grandparents made it, like, six years old. My dad used to put me on the plane to Salisbury, Maryland from Cincinnati. You know, someone hands you off, and there you're, the, you're there for two weeks. You know Whoa. what I mean? And luckily, I was really close to my grandparents. Yeah, that wasn't yeah, a big yeah. deal. But if you don't see them, like... Yeah, and there's just something a little bit scary about an unfamiliar environment that, you know, obviously, it's still family and stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's the other, and it's, like mm. you say, like the decorations are just a little bit darker maybe or something like that. And and this film has one particular like sequence which just nails that mm. so, so well. Mm. Mm. Which sequence was that? Um, so when, Spoilers. <laughs> when Sam, the granddaughter, mm. uh, kind of gets lost and there's this like labyrinthine uh, chase... I lo and I love the reference, right? It was the first time I could think of in a film that someone has... Because in the, in the after, the Q&A after, she directly references the movie mm. and says, but I didn't want it to look like it does in Labyrinth. The, you know, I don't, I've never watched the Maze Runner films, which are like an action kid film that I, I just didn't get into. But I don't know if anyone else has ever really effectively done it like that. that was, and the way it was represented... As a modern labyrinth, I always love that. It's it's a bit like one of your favorite films that I watched with my daughter recently, When the Dragon, what was that called? Uh, Onwards. When okay. Instead of making a real dragon, you made a dragon out of what was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, we have a labyrinth out of what was there. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. just think, wow, that's a great way to take people from a modern perspective into... An, you know, labyrinths are, you know, what, what was what's the great labyrinth myth? But the, the minotaur. Yeah. yeah, you say minotaur in England. That always... <sighs> potato, 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 potato. <laughs> I um, think the correct way is Minotaur because it's Greek. But English people always say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm I'm agreeing with the way you say it. Minotaur. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. I'm always thrown anyway, off by it because but, that professor. But hold on, hold on. We're totally it. forgetting one the most famous labyrinth scene of all time, which is in The Shining, right? Okay, I I don't not for me, but for you, I could totally see that. I mean. 
He is a young Kubrick, folks. That, that is, I don't, you know. Luckily, he doesn't beat the crap out of our actors. That's the funny thing. Like, about. Ed is, no, I'm just going to go on a rant about that. Because Ed is a bit like Kubrick. He has these vintage lenses, and he has this depth of knowledge of film that I will never be able to compete with, no matter how hard I read things and how much I do stuff. But I'm always fascinated by it. But the difference is, guys, just in case you're listening to this, like, I wonder if we should hire these guys. You know, just so you know, like, we do not believe in beating the crap out for actors and actresses or psychologically talking. oh my god like i just don't get that like it's because maybe we haven't been put under the pressures he has you know what i mean like but the times i've been on set we are just the opposite we're like no is everything okay all right let, let me get you a cup of tea yeah. just sit down I, I think part of it's because of kind of like where we're coming from which is from a joy of filmmaking you know mm. whereas i think someone like kubrick or some of the other directors who had a penchant for like kind of mistreating and some great ones. Fincher's very of famous course. for being rough. Hitchcock. No, I mean we, we've heard about Singer from Personal mm. Friends. You know about mm. how rough he was on set. So. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I like they maybe approach it from more of a kind of like inches, right? Like any little advantage that you can get to get the kind of performance that you want no, out of your actors. It, yeah, to me it goes where we see that in the indie world and, and where Ed and I tend to differ. And maybe it's because I'm a, a lot less experienced than he is, but. Coverage, right? Like, mm. I'm a kind of person, I don't like the idea of having a digital camera that just lets you take coverage from mm. them because as the production side of me, that is such an abhorrent waste of money. Mm. Like, I would rather come in with a vision of what you want to get. If it doesn't work out, you've got enough coverage to maybe change the story of it or do something with it. But the way it is now, and Ed's not always like this, he just warns me that if we, we, we get too thin on the ground with coverage, that we're going to have real problems, you know, that you have to get all the angles. Mm. And so maybe that's the, what we're talking about with Kubrick is back in the day when you still were on 35, you could still be like, I have to take, especially if yeah. you've got those studio budgets, you know what I mean? Like that is, no, that's very true. you know, very our, true. our pet peeve, and it's not like, God knows, I'd take a studio job any day to direct something, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not saying guys, I wouldn't work for a studio, but. Smurfs 5. Exactly. Like, dude, I, I, you know, part of why I do all this is transitioning from, you know, what I do as a day job now into what I want to do as filmmaking. If that happens, if it never happens, I said, no big deal. Like, mm. I, I love my day job and it's fine. But, you know, like, studios, the problem that I always have that you'll hear on this podcast is the waste, the, the abhorrent waste of money. It's like, you know, it's the easiest example of the last year was Cats, 100 million spent in a film that still sucked. Mm. You know, and sorry, dude, because you've made some really good films, but. Then the production notes come back, which is something that I read because I'm interested from Variety. And Variety tells me you didn't even put mocap on the actors. Like, how can you make a hundred million, you know, without mocapping your actors? That's so basic. And that's the kind of thing that, like, if I did that in an indie film and was paid by private investors to do that, I would never work again. Like, never. I couldn't get a studio job. I couldn't get anything. Sorry, that's my rant on cats. No, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. The thing is that he kind of got away with it with uh, Les Mis. Because he did something that you're supposed to never do, which is um, record live performances for the singing. And there was like a lot of praise for that. Oh, God, yeah. I, I've just done the chapter, Rain Dance, low to no budget. It was all on sound, and like that would be me. Yeah, and, uh, but he got a lot of praise for it. I don't know, like... You know, people like the rawness of it, or, or there's, there's an what idea. It it's like when you had a star is born in Lady Gaga. Mm. Like, do you ADR Lady Gaga's voice mm. when she's playing, or do you just let her sing? Is it better to get an acoustic version or a live version? Right. You know, 
you know under the sh- you know uh, into the shallows like i think it, it, it's supposed to sound gritty personally yeah, yeah. because i love sound and i have so many good friends that that's what they're doing nick my cousin and, and brian you guys are awesome mm. uh you know i'd still put it in a studio man like i hate to say yeah. that because it's like i can still make it sound like right, right, right. it's supposed to it's, and i can tweak it exactly like, exactly and the, right? the problem is like i was thinking about this because i'm i'm working on and i'm always working on a million scripts but the one i i just had a thought for today was something about imitation and the idea is like what people don't always understand is film and, and this, everything you're hearing is an imitation of what really was. This is not really us. We're not really in your room. We're not really talking to you. You have a, a slight little, you know, magnetic, electromagnetic field. That's there's a middleman, right? There's an electromagnetic field that converts yeah. us into a digital bit. So turns yeah. us into numbers and then shoots it over to other people. Right, Did right. that just blow your mind? You know what I mean? But that's and what I'm saying. Cool. Like, but, but that means that everything you hear or that you watch on TV is not actually what happened. Right. It's a recording. And I right. just think that's fascinating. So. Yeah, no, definitely. So getting back to Relic. Yes. <laughs> um, how did we get onto this? Um, no, no, I, I think you oh, were yeah, talking the, about that awesome scene we liked in yeah. the modern labyrinth. What yeah. are, you know, let's just continue on that path before we get too far away from it. What were some of the other really mindful scenes for you? The, the ones that really took your breath away? Um, honestly, the ending. Um, so go into some good detail on that. Um, okay. Spoilers if you haven't seen it, but you know Ed's, Ed's going to kind of walk you through what he sees on yeah. it. So the film uh, pretty much, I mean, it has like, um, it ramps up a lot. So you go from, um, you know, like what's going on? Is she okay? Is she losing her mind? Is something else going on? And then very clearly something else really is going on. And she's possessed or something like that's happening. And then there's a lot of action, right? There's a lot of kind of like heart racing Yeah, stuff. we're down in that labyrinth. Yes. You know, it all really comes, it's very poltergeisty where yeah. it all just starts coming to a head very yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's a denouement at the end, which I really, really liked. I, it, it's very hard to describe, but essentially the grandmother who is played by, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Robin Nevin, who's a she's a famous Australian actress of like stage and screen. And right, stuff. right. Because this one hails out of Australia, so mm. you're going to see lots of cast and crew on that end of things. Yeah. First time director as well. Yes, uh, but uh, Robin Nevin, she's she's uh, very early on. She has a bruise in the middle of her chest, and over the course of the film, it kind of spreads, and you think that that's whatever is like possessing her. There's also references to like black mold in the house and And that's been done before so there was a particular film that i think it really reminded me of this it, it, it's at the year it came out is one of my personal favorite films but it's nothing more than you need to see once i cannot i'm being honest with you on the air because it has a really long almost latin name mm-hmm. but the, the film itself i would describe it to you you could google the description you'll pick it up it was about a girl who lives alone in her apartment mm-hmm. and uh you know most of the, the really good shots are like on her bed, and then there's like this scene above her bed, oh, and it's kind of seen that image. Th- yeah, yeah, and, and it it gets slightly tattered in the beginning, and then she has sex with this guy, and and I think you're never quite sure if it's supposed to be a sexually communicable disease, right. but after that, like she gets, and this is why I wasn't as keen with the messaging as I got older, like. She gets dirty. Right. And so right, she right. starts to have some issues down there and some bruising and things like that. Mm-hmm. And basically the film is her decomposing. Right. Like it ends with her finally dying, decomposed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like I, the plot means nothing except it's the active. And the imagery he uses was so similar. It was yeah. black 
and it gets bigger and bigger and oh. bigger and just starts spreading everywhere. It yeah. was like this black mold yeah. that takes over her whole body, yeah, yeah. you know, becomes this like black. It, it, in that movie, she's more like charred. She almost looks burnt, mm. but it's like play kind of black. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the iconic scene that year it came out is obviously she goes blind because her whole body's decomposing mm. and there's a final scene where she's all covered in black and her eyes are just the only thing you can really see mm. and then in that scene she, that's when she bursts out her eyes because she's mm. looking in the mirror and she can't stand what she sees mm. anymore mm -hmm. all of that imagery was just running through my mind mm. when I was seeing this because it was very similar and I don't know if it works because of the feminine quality of that I don't yeah. know as I said I thought it was a bit I don't know if the director of that film the one I'm talking about was a female but that's why I was kind of uncomfortable with it I'm mm. saying is is that a, an appropriate way to describe a woman's right, body right, in decomposition? Right, right. Is it mental imagery? From the response that we received and how feminine this film was, mm -hmm. I would tend to think, okay, like maybe this is a, a good way to describe like how a woman sees herself decomposing. Right, 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 right. I know that sounds ridiculous, but there is no, a no, way no, that yeah, a man yeah. will perceive his own. Exactly. And you've seen that in Evil Dead and stuff exactly, like that. That is yeah. the man's version of how your body gets taken away into nothingness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, you know, this is a female perspective of right. what happens when something takes you away. Mm. When something literally takes your, you know, in this one, it's almost like a metaphor for the soul. Mm. It takes the soul away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but so, so, so Robin Nevin has this bruise that spreads and eventually she starts self-mutilating. That all happens during the kind of climactic chase, I would call it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but the, uh, the kind of final moment, they're, they're, they're getting away. Mm. The mother and the daughter are getting away, mm. but the mother decides that she's not, she doesn't want to leave her grandmother. And she goes back to the room and she, it's very gentle and very, I want to say almost sweet, but she starts peeling away the skin of her mother, right? Uh, eventually revealing this, it was an animatronic, like... Yeah, we found out that later. It looked, yeah, looked very real. Yeah. Like that was money well spent because that looked absolutely real. Yeah. Uh, like a, a, a just gray, uh, shriveled, look yeah. like an old man. And, and what I would say is, sorry, just to cut there because it's like, because this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about with the indie filmmaker stuff. We have, a, we have a script for a movie that we need animatronics for, but our problem was figuring out costings. Mm -hmm. So you can watch things like Book of Monsters is another UK film that recently came out last two, three years. And the guy who directed that, and I, I need to call him because I mean, he managed to get deals everywhere mm -hmm. to get distribution and stuff, but they used animatronics mm -hmm. on a low budget. This this is a low budget film. This yeah. is a first time director, so they're not going to hand her the keys to the kingdom. Mm. She was worried about it when she did the Q and A, and you need to watch this film because whatever she did, mm. again, and that's what I mean. Like, okay, so you've got a film now, and you're like, I want to do animatronics. We're going to be looking up how did you make this, and mm. if I, we can't find it, we might just drop her an email mm. and see what we can get and say, how did you guys do this? Because mm. we need to do that. That's the awesome thing about indie is like. We're more than likely to get a response from anybody when we ask those types of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strange so anyway, sure. I just wanted to point that out because it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so cool when you get to see that from a first-time director because those are the most approachable directors. Mm. You know, Adam Stovall, we were able to talk with him, mm. who's, you know, meteorically on the rise right now, mm. but because, you know, we opened with our film to his film. It was yeah. the opening band. <laughs> yeah, 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 Very, very cool. So um, the peeling, though, which I, I'm completely yes. with you on this one. Yeah, um, uh, she, so she eventually peels away this whole thing and then she takes it to to the bed and she kind of lies uh, 
you know, kind of behind it. And it's, again, a very tender moment, very, very sweet. Um, the granddaughter kind of comes back into the house and, and, and she kind of joins them. And I, I think that's the moment where I was like, okay, this feels like a very personal story. Mm. Uh, it feels like, um, you know, something that was important to someone. Mm. And, uh, you know, luckily enough, because it was Fright Fest, we got to, you know, have this Q&A and, with... And, yeah, and let's, and let's like, let's hit on that more. I mean, why is that important to you, though, as a filmmaker? Why is that, you know, the, the fact yeah. that you see... Because that's the coda. The coda... Had the film ended right, you know, right before mm. then, typical horror yeah, film, yeah, right? Yeah. We're out the door, we're like, hey, it wasn't so bad. It was pretty creepy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty creepy. But you know what I mean? We're looking yeah. at a Blumhouse, something that yeah. is really scary, but and no offense to Blumhouse, because I love Blumhouse, but, yeah, yeah. but there's not always the depth there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he tries, but he's a very willing producer that just hands his people his money and says, go, go out there. And sometimes it works, but, you know, if you've watched Evil Eye, like, it didn't work. Like, right. I didn't get the impact, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, why to you, when you get that code and you get, you know, that happening, why, why is that something to you? I think that it, um, I don't know, when, when, when you're watching a movie, sometimes you feel your heart drop. Either it's like a sudden realization or it's like a connection that you make with the film. Mm. And I'm kind of feeling it a little bit right now, remembering it. That's what I love. Yeah. That's why I bring it up. Because yeah. that's, that's why I make films. Um, but just that moment, I felt a very strong connection with what, what I felt was, was being said. And um, it was cool, you know, when we talked later to kind of get the confirmation that it was what I thought it was mm. and then listening to the director as well. But I think that doesn't actually matter because a lot of times you won't get that confirmation, right? Like you'll watch a film and it'll just be you and that film. No, and, and, and I mean, that's what I'm saying, like, and I guess the reason I'm hampering on this, because this was the same thing we said about Ghost Waits, Wait, like, Adam doesn't even understand it when you talk to him about how, what an impact it had on a double level. Mm. So there's some, for us, the cool thing about being a filmmaker is there's that impact you have of being the viewer, and that's what I've had my whole life. And then I would say, for those of us that choose to go out and make film, there's just that, that tear that was in your eye a second ago. And I was telling Ed about, I watched this week, this must be the place, and he makes this line about his, about how he stayed in a marriage, and he just was talking about time and how life is like that, that you just have to kind of be there for people, you know, everywhere. And that's how it works. And that's what makes things so powerful to mm. other people. So, you know, and I was crying when he was saying, oh, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Man. <laughs> Sean Penn, Sean Penn paying the guy from The Cure, I think, like a, a version of the guy from The Cure. And I'm like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. But that's filmmaking. Like, that's like, I want everyone to feel that. I want everybody to know yeah. how great that is. Yeah. And so Adam Stovall, like, wrote that, you know, Ghost Waits with this huge personal message just buried in it. Yeah. Um, but it came out so wonderfully yeah. that everyone in the, you know, the movie theater I was in, like, there were people bawling, you mm. know what I mean? And we all felt it. But then as filmmakers, what I felt so good about having them on the show was like, no, nah, man, like, you did what we want to do. That's mm. what we want. We want everybody to feel that they're not alone, you know, that we've been there too, man. I mean, I, I didn't have the personal connection on that, but let me tell you, my sister moved back to live near my mother like three, four years ago, and it was on all of our behests. My sister and I have both led crazy lives, but she was in a crazy time, and we just said, go back home, you know? Mm -hmm. Really hard to do that with any Shiro, because we're wanderers, but she, she you know, said, fine. She, at the time, she had a serious problem with her, you know, with her, with her health, mm -hmm. so she was able to get that fixed back home, and now we're like four years on, 
and I talk to my mother and I talk to my sister every week. And those are, the, you know, no offense to dad whatsoever. You're a good dad, but those are the two that raised me. You know what mm. I mean? Growing up around the dinner table, those are yeah. the two people I was with. The two people I kind of modeled my life after as I grew up. Mm. And it's so wonderful to see the bond that they have now. Because to be fair, when I was growing up, they didn't like each other very much. My my yeah. sister is very much like my father. You know, my mm. parents are divorced. And so it was like fire and ice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. now that they're older, it's 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 something about femininity that I don't always understand. Yeah. I, I watched it my whole life, so I think sometimes I get these really great windows into it, yeah. but I'm not a woman, so I don't have that bond. Right. And I loved seeing that because I was yeah. I was sure in my head that would connect with somebody. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I think my sister and my mother could watch this yeah, and really yeah, yeah. understand this scene. Completely, completely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, we love that. We just love that. That is, that is why you make films. Mm, absolutely. Make a film that everyone else likes. That's the first part. That's the producer yeah. part. So you can listen to tons of the podcasts or us yeah. talk like, we know that. We get that. You have to make something less. And and, and she, boy, does she do a good job. I mean, yeah. this film looks amazing. Amazing. Uh, Emily Mortimer, who's a British actress, um, you know, she's worked with Scorsese. Like, she's she's a good actress. Um, uh, she she does a wonderful role, and and it's it's a very tight cast. There's like three main characters, and then a couple of you know side ones. But like I say, technically really good looking film well see and this is a great segue because we said we would talk about the rest of Fright Fest so I think this now allows me to kind of open up about you know what I will say and it's funny because everybody has differing views of what's good but remember this was digital so it was another experience of, of not being with everybody which I think the second time around sucked a little bit more than the first mm. the first one I had the a novelty fil- right yeah the first one I had a film showing and the way this works guys to be completely honest with you my wife gives me the master bedroom which is the, like our top floor I have my laptop up there with a bunch of comic books for in-between things. And, you know, I'm working. Like, I'm doing all my film stuff. Because, again, when I'm not at my day job, I have to make up time. And so it's a double-edged sword because it lets me get a lot done. But this time, even more so than the last time. Mm. Like, if I didn't like the film within the first ten minutes, I'm out. Disconnect, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just not doing it. And it it could be a good film. You know what I mean? Relic, I almost did that. And then I was like, oh, crap, we're podcasting. And I closed the laptop (laughs) and I was like, stop. Either take notes so you're paying attention or, you know, whatever. But there were so many films. So The Reckoning was a big one. So Katie Bonham, one of my mentors and someone I'm always praising, you know, she really helped me kind of get into film. Like, she loved The Reckoning. And it's an Argentinian film, so... Like, just so you know, in the Fright Fest community, and this isn't me trying to brag, it's just the truth because they never have a Spanish speaker. Like, I tend to watch all the Latin films because I always end up getting to meet the directors at the bar afterwards because, you know, I'm ready to talk to. And yeah. I'm like, hola, como estas amigo? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it just works perfectly. So, yeah. you know, this was a film that I should have known a lot about because I'm always the one that's like, oh, yeah, you can check out this film. It's really good. And we had some discussion on that. And that was the other thing I was bad about. So we had Facebook Messenger where we have 50 of us. Mm. And I'm the one who will talk through the film. Like, I would have done it anyway. Right, right, right. And so I'll be like, oh man, I don't like this part. I don't like this. And yeah. I'd be like, no, like watch the film and then comment yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. So that was the bad stuff. The good stuff was there were so many films that I wouldn't say were bad. You okay. know what I mean? It's the, the, the quality of the filmmaking. There were a bunch that I didn't get to see that I heard were good. And that's, mm. you know, when there's so many about. Mm. There were other ones that were terrible. And, and, and let's get that out of the bag there. Because Fright Fest, I love you. And, and please, like next short I give you, please just put it in as well, right? Because you love it. You think it's great. But... You know, everyone said the closing films were like a, a, a treequel. So it was like, 
Skyline 3, which was a sequel to a sci-fi film that I'm not... Did anyone actually watch? I hadn't watched it. Okay. So I was like, no, I don't really want to watch that. And then it was like a sequel on the Christmas thing that no one watched to. I watched it. I remember going to it and being like, I wish I was at the bar. Um, <laughs> because that was the years that I wouldn't leave and I would yeah, make yeah, sure yeah. I watched the film I instead of getting film. a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... It was a horrible film then, and then they made a sequel to it, and then you get really mad because you're like, and then I just looked, and someone's making a trequel to it. I'm like, why? Like, please, I can make you such a better film, and not because that person didn't make a good film, but because, like, it's just fundamentally, if half the board says I don't get what's going on right now, you know, it's like, ah, and then the closing films. And so mm. I should have just gone with the short showcase, which I didn't. I just didn't want to close it out with shorts because mm. I was like, I, I did the short showcase. You can see my comments on that. Cheers to the to the you know the the daddy's uh, saving daddy guy. Um, you're awesome, man. Like Cuban film all the way. Viva la Cuba, Cuba. man. Cuba. You know what I mean? I'm not even allowed to talk about it any other way except for media. So there you go, man. Like it's just that it's just so awesome to see. Awesome, you know. One of the dead was so happy when that came out years ago, and mm. let's keep it coming. You know, there's a great great art history coming from that place. But, um, so films I liked, I'm going to go through the ones that everyone else didn't like first, okay. just because those were the most fun. So, Embryo, people hated this film, like, hated it, because it was crap, like, it, no offense, but it was like, it wasn't, it was... Was it the story, was it the technical No, the, the crap part is, you know, when I talked to the guy, he had such a minimal budget to make it, right, so the camera right. work's going to be, like, with what he had, it was awesome. Like, once he gave me the budget, I was like... Dude, I want to work with you. Like, no call problem, me. Man. I will fly to Chile tomorrow mm. and be like, if you can make that film for that money, you are the coolest dude I've ever seen. So come on, guys. These are indie filmmakers, right? Mm. What I loved about it, it was about, you know, spoiler alert, it was about three women who are, you know, artificially inseminated, mm -hmm. you know, in the by aliens in this part of Chile, this beautiful part of Chile. You know, that's the parts that were good. Mm. Um, and he, he, like, I think I told you, like, it was a 77-minute film and 10 minutes it was like this this family trip to London. And dude, I so think you just had footage of this. And we're like, crap, I need 10 more minutes of this film. But that's the thing. People were judging it as like, oh, well, it had excellent references to X-Files. Like, it was clear that the dude had watched as much X-Files as I have, and I've watched all of them. You know what I mean? Like, he just put that in there. Yes, there was a huge, like, misogynation of the thing, okay? Right. So, you had a lot of booty and a lot of whatever. Mm. Hey, man, like... I'm not saying one way or the other, but if that's what sells in Chile for him, that might be what he had to do. Totally get that it was a bit over the top, but again, some films were just made that way. It was, dude, did you see what she looked like when she was being inseminated, right? Like, she was covered in white goo. Come on, man. He wasn't being subtle at all. He wasn't trying to be subtle. He was just saying, like, this is how aliens would impregnate somebody. And to be fair, it was probably like, yeah, yeah, I bet it would be. <laughs> like, they would just kind of do it that way. Three stories that were interwoven with a modern story over the top, all like found footage stuff, but I liked it. Mm. The reason other people didn't like it was it had no subtitles. Yeah, and it was four, four guys. So choose okay. to Dave Malcolm, man. You're the coolest guy in the world who's running a, a Facebook post that was giving Scottish translations as it was going on. Please, like, it's, it's one of those, dude, this is one of those dark side of the moon moments. So David Malcolm, here we go for you, man. You're getting your moment here. You've got to start the film yeah. and then go to the comment section because it's hilarious. Like, he was just cracking. And the best part, David, is, is the director, you know, when I talked to him, like, he had a real kick out of that, too. He mm. just thought that was great because... You know, this is the kind of stuff that happens. Indie filmmaker stuff again. It does. Trust it me. And it sucks when so, it does. So, what I remember with ours, the last one we had, uh, Dandelions, like, that, uh, I gave them a really high bit rate. So, I gave them, like, the master file saying, like, please, please, please. But 
These are things to consider, indeed, guys, because we're streaming now. So and then instead of me being projected onto a screen and then just playing the, the, you know, converting the master into a DCP and putting it that way, this was streamed via Eventbrite or whatever the, the thing is that does it. And I don't know if you caught it, but of course I caught it was the intro stutter. So, and, and thank God you guys can't watch it again, but the film is faster than that. And it's slowed dramatically. And I'm doing slow pans of the forest with you talking so... I was like, oh my god, like this is going to look so bad. And that's the voice. That's what it says. Like, I'm so screwed. People are going to think it's going to suck. So that's what I'm saying. Don't be too hard on the guy, man. Like, yeah, he did his best. Happens. You have to do what you have to do. And I enjoyed that film. Other really good films. One I didn't see, but mm. apparently everyone has to go see the Benny film. The, okay. uh, it was a film about a teddy bear by Carl Holt, I believe his name. And I only know this because he's been talked about so much. It's I think it's Everyone Loves Benny or I Love Benny. Someone mm. put it in the comments, please. I didn't watch it, but it was about this little red teddy bear, which is franchisable at the hell. Another thing, indie producers, like you can make money that way. Um, it, but, man, like the response is, to be fair, like I haven't seen since, I think when like VHS2 hit or Turbo mm. Kid, like back when we were all at the Empire, mm-hmm. like this was that response. People just went mental and said, you have to watch mm. this film. And it wasn't, it wasn't like Relic. It didn't have the, the background or the, you know, I think it was just Slasher Teddy Bear. Right. But, and it's, a, you know, the way that people will get behind indie directors, David Malcolm, again, who is, just so you guys know, if you don't know who David Malcolm is, he's been around the Fright Fest community since the, the, like the early days. For many of us, he's a mentor, a legend, just a cool dude from Scotland. You know what I mean? And he does, like, he sent out this note to the kid just being like, man, like, I've been around Fright Fest my whole, the whole thing, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen such a good premiere wow. for a first-time director. That's I mean, crazy. that's like, you know what I mean? That kid was crying all day. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But he deserved it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. if that many people are telling you your film's good, then ah, I don't even have to see your film. As I said, as a producer, I know you did way better than normal job get those get those plush toys out there as a producer that's what i'm telling you charged out the wazoo you've got a baby yoda make your money for your next film right now <laughs> i even sound like the freaking guys <laughs> uh by the way speaking of producers did you notice who produced relic uh relic was i, I do was it, it was jake gyllenhaal yes. yeah yeah that's a long story we're not gonna put on air <laughs> jake but i love al- you man can you produce my film but also the russo brothers as well I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gyllenhaal and the Russo yeah. brothers. I think it's a Screen Australia thing because um, they're usually quite good at like funding, you know. Young yeah. So, so just like to that. go into the process of how that probably happened, you'd have to ask the director herself. But you know, I've been through this with a couple of the other directors because I'm an indie producer, so I have no sway for you. So if you come to me and say, "Jay, I need you to help me get bigwigs to get on in this film," that's not what I do. Okay, mm. and most people are very. Um, people that came to me I would say a year or two ago they, they just didn't understand that yeah. like I, I don't have clout in the media world like I work in the insurance world on, the, on my day job I'm just a hard worker and good with numbers and generally very good at selling things mm. but the, the reason people come to me looking for that kind of producer Ed is because when you sign up for these BFI Screen Australia Screen Yorkshire is another one mm. I remember you need these producers because when they attach to your project, then you get the money. Right. And so to do that, sometimes you have to showcase your concept out to all of these big producers. So that really, really says something that she could have been in a pool of probably a thousand or five thousand. I mean, they get entries and now I've been yeah. whittled down from like ten thousand. But that clearly, you know, and please confirm or deny if you want to in the comments. But that would have shown that she went up against probably a lot of competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Because the first response when you see Jake Gyllenhaal or the Russo brothers is, oh, she must have known somebody. Mm. From my experience, and it's just my experience, that's actually not true. Mm. It's usually the other way around that they have auditioned and auditioned and auditioned right. and have They've reached a level. Certainly, the, you know, the, all the Disney stuff, the studio stuff, and that's where studios start, you know, replicating the stuff that the indies are doing. They have that process for stuff like the Mando. Talk to the guys who have the jobs now. They had to jump through hoops as nobodies mm. and then just got chosen. John Favreau, that was just how he wanted to do it. He mm. took indie people. Mm. So you got that happening in Marvel now, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're opening up to that, which is So, great. I mean, it helps then, right? That is probably why we know for sure that the quality of the film will be up there. Because you're not going to have the Russo brothers attached to anything that looks like dirt. Right. So, another thing to help you, that if you can get that, then by all means. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. So, no, I hadn't noticed that at all. Uh, there are a couple ones, you know, there are prolific people that were around. And, and for what I noticed, it was more the indie world. I would say it was Brea Grant that, that really, you know, I didn't know you're a UT grad, by the way. That's my stepsister went down there, too, man. I love UT, Knoxville people. Mm -hmm. So that's another film I should talk about. Jill Six, um, who goes by something else, but I won't say it on the thing because maybe you don't want people to know your real name but she's from knoxville tennessee which is where university of tennessee is great city like absolutely amazing scene. she did the stylist and that has okay. slowly like become one of my i just read another post and maybe it's facebook influencing me but it's coming up there as like one of my favorite films from the festival listen jill like that was so well shot i sent you a, a message i was doing that like just because i think i'm i'm i'm, I'm a filmmaker now i can talk to people <laughs> I, apologies if i pissed you off jill but i sent jill a message saying your film looked like so so good and yeah. it's another first time director this time she was brea was helping her get you know brea was the producer on this so mm. brea is slightly older in the indie horror community she's been doing it for like five years more she had two films that she was in she was in this film um, you know, she was the, the second lead. So there's a lead character that plays the stylist herself and a second lead that had played, um, that plays like a, one of her friends, um, that is having a wedding. And why does the stylist work? Well, first of all, it looked beautiful. That's, that's really kind of like the, the, the bar for me. And I hate to say it that way because my stuff doesn't always look beautiful, but if I'm doing a feature at Fright Fest, like, I think that's where the bar is really good. Like where, where I will... I don't care how long it takes me to make the film. I would rather it looked good than, than not look quite good out there because there really is that kind of separation. Mm -hmm. You know, Embryo that I was talking about before, like it was great, but then it lost half the audience because it, it wasn't, you know, up to what they wanted to see. A film like Relic, even if people didn't like it, they were like, it was a good film. Mm -hmm. you know, it was all right because yeah. it looked good. It's just like we talk about the sound and how, <coughs> you know, if it sounds good, no one talks about it, right? Right. If it sounds bad, you talk about it a lot. Mm. But... Stylist, so stylist was good. Good shots, really. I, I, the, my favorite thing, Jill, about it was the color schemes. Like, mm. I just think you had these really good reds and purples when you were in the like the stylist room, and when we're in these kind of like seedy areas. Um, and then you never brightened it up too much, which you could have done because you had all these day scenes that you could have done that. And it's like you get a couple breaks out of the brightness, but most of the action is taking place in this stylist. The closest thing I could compare it to it is a female version of Maniac. And it really is, and, and, and again, not female, so if I'm wrong on this, but you can put it in the comments, and, you know, whatever. But to me, it was like a female perspective. So Maniac was all about loneliness, but loneliness because of who you are. The, the stylist is OCD. She, she has all these mental hang-ups. And I get that. Trust me, Ed knows I've got tons of them myself. And you can feel really isolated. You get in, more introverted because of that, because you have to be a certain way around people. And, you know, this was clear that she was a big introvert because one of the things that she has, like, no friends, and that's why this 
woman who's having a wedding that wants her to do her hair, she like leans into that more than she should. Mm -hmm. Exactly as Elijah Wood does in Maniac when he starts leaning into people because he's lonely and he mm. just wants people to hang out with. What you don't know, and, and brief spoiler, this this literally happens within two, five minutes of the film. Like she scalps people and she okay. puts on their scalps to pretend she's them. Mm. And it's done so well, Jill. So mm. well. Good writing there. Like, really good writing. Because it works. Yeah. I think it, the biggest thing I can compare it to, actually, that I don't ever know if you read that script that I did on then. I did a script ages ago for the, the first in horror bit um, that I sent you and Katie that was about the, the, the stylist, the guy who would do the makeup and art and makeup for set designs and that he would kill people and then design the sets to do that all because he wanted to marry this woman like it's that kind of film it's someone mm. recreating false realities mm. and it's just you know that that's not trying to say i wrote it you know i mean i'm just saying like the concept of the story works because she takes this really female spin on it saying like well what would what would girls be like with this like what would the girl problem be about a wedding and a hairstylist and stuff that men shouldn't write about because we don't know you right, know what right, i mean right. like we're not in that perspective, you know mm. what I mean? So that comes through in spades, but then the actual horror bit goes back to that traditional story of a person who cannot have the, th you know, a serial killer who cannot have the things in life that they want, so they recreate them in very morbid and grotesque ways. Mm. So just stellar film. And and I guess the reason I tell the story two ways like that is that's, to me, how you do your first film. Right. Take a traditional story. Go to the Greek tragedies, mate. Like, mm. they all tell a great story, stuff that you're going to see now. Go to Shakespeare Take one of the concepts there and say, what are they talking about? Is it revenge? Is it, you know, right. you know, all different kinds of things. And then put your spin on it mm -hmm. and say, what am I going to do? We've got something like that. So, you know, Lori Brewster, Brewster, Lori has asked us from Hex Media, has asked us to put together a, a uh, you know, it's a short film. It's going to be part of his For We Are Many Too that's based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. The story I have written for that and that we're working on now, we're in production, so if you're looking for a job and you want to try to help with that, it's not like we got a ton of money, but we do need people, so yeah. please drop me a line because I'm putting the team together. To, you know, Avengers Assemble. Yeah, you know, exactly. we're, we're putting the team together now, but it's it's not the story from, it's not the Lovecraft story. It's just an interpretation of it, but it has the same kind of revenge feel mm. to it that, that that should. So that's what I'm saying. Jill, you, you nailed it with that. I just thought it was one of the better films mm. of the festival. What were some I, I definitely want to watch it now. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just was up there. What were some of the other ones? Uh, I'll go one more, and then otherwise you'll have to check out my, um, you know, posts or, or ask me, you know, kind of for my top five otherwise. But the other one that was a real sleeper hit for me, and I watched it right after I did my commute, was Tailgate. Okay, yeah, you told me about this. Which one. is which has the greatest Dutch. I love Dutch. I have a lot of Dutch friends. And used to speak Dutch decently, but I don't anymore. But I just love the way Dutch sounds. It was like Telgit Kammer or something. It was Bumper Content or something like that. It was awesome. It was just, please somebody put it in the comments and I'm sorry for butchering the Dutch name. But it was awesome. It just was so Dutch to me. And the premise of the film was something I thought I would want to watch. It's something to like fall asleep to. Right. Because it was like, and it came on midday after I was picking up Kay, you know, put her on the Kindle. That sounds terrible, I know, but she knows daddy had to watch his film. It's probably first time. And she's like two seconds away from me, so don't worry. But then I put on the scary film that she can't watch. She's in, you know, where, where, where it is. And the film's all about like a guy, a, a bit of a dick of a guy. Mm. Um, so funny, funny already. I'm like, hmm, okay, yeah. I'm a bit of a dick if you didn't know. Um, so I was like, okay, I can relate already. Like, uh -huh. Especially when I'm driving, I'm a real big kind of a dick. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this guy is just an asshole. Yeah. It's like driving 80 in the wrong lane, yelling at other people. And then he meets this guy on the road with his whole family. So this all, I'm sorry, I haven't given the right premise either. This is all based on a family trip to go see, I can't remember if it's his mother or the in-laws, but mm. it's like, been there you know what i mean you're yeah. packing everything to go it takes everybody six billion years to get in the freaking car so you're already ticked off and he's shouting at his wife shouting at the kids shut up get in the back you know blah 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 
Griswold's all over again. It was yeah. wonderful. Then he's off, and now he's being a dick on the road. Like, this is this is every dad. Like, yeah. I hate to say that, but it's like so many of us have been there. You know what I mean? It's all exaggerated. I hope I'm not that much of a dick, but you know what I mean? It's all exaggerated for the sake of... You're not, trust me. For the sake of doing it. And so, what ends up happening, it's the duel situation. Again, a classic story. Yeah. George Lucas film that, and that was borrowing off of, you know, old westerns that had done it before. And Isn't it Spielberg? Did Spielberg do Duel? I, think I, think, Spielberg. I thought Lucas did Duel. No, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. Spielberg. It's there. It's one of the other's first film. So it's yeah. either Spielberg's or Lucas's first film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Borrowed, you know, from from older concepts, but the first road kind of whatever. You know, mm. if you want to see a later version, I mean, of, like, I, it, it's not my kind of film, but it's a gr- it's a great example of that kind. And of... And it started yeah, a genre. You yeah, had yeah. the Hitcher was the later one that comes out that I don't like, but if you like Rutger Howard, that's the one that really figure out. Death Proof. Yeah, so it's, it's like the guy, it, it's the it follows concept. Yeah. It's not going to go away. And so the, obviously he pisses off somebody that's not going to go away. And, I, well, you know, not to give too much away, but the interesting thing about this guy is he's a, a rat poisoner. Okay. So that's where the horror element starts getting fun. Okay. But that's all it is. That's the whole film. And because it was so, this is your life, Jason, it was like, I love this. Like, I mm. absolutely love Because he's trying, like, he just wants, like, they get into this, the, like, the scene I'll, I'll point out there, again, spoilers if you really want to get this fresh, but the scene that really got me was the gas station scene. So mm. they pull into a gas station, and he's pulled off, and then gone in with his family, and it looks just like a service station here in the UK, so the family's off getting shit they don't need, coming back and saying, like, nah, 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 and you're like, whatever, just everybody buy what you want, then we'll get back in the car and get back on the road. You know what I mean? You're just like, I want to get there before it gets, like, before, before the sun goes down and I fall asleep. And then as he's leaving, this dude he pissed off is standing in the doorway. Mm. And he's like, and this guy just starts reciting to his children, like, road code. Which, this is what happens. This is what people are like. They're like, he's trying to be pretentious and be like, you know, you violated, blah, 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 blah. And I'm reading this all in subtitles, by the way. So, you know, I can't do the accents or anything like that. And, of course, the dad, who's just trying to get back on the road, is like, would you just fuck off? You know what I mean? Like, kindly step Mm. out of the way. You know what I mean? And the guy, what happened? So normally you would do that and it'd either be a quick brawl or something, like no brawls with me, but you know, something would either happen or it wouldn't it would move on. Instead, the guy just doesn't move and he keeps reciting his things and he won't go and the dad's getting more pissed off. And so the tension is so real because that's what happens. That's road rage. <laughs> Trust me, we're all just driving fucking cars. Like, I always have to remind myself of that and then I have my happy little moment and be like, dude, like, you're going to get there. It's cool. But when your dad in the moment and your kids are screaming and your wife doesn't, you're just like, ah, and you get, you know, you could piss off the wrong guy. And I did that at Inside, if you remember correctly. I pissed off Demon Ed and, and had my throat slit. But that's Tailgate. And the reason it works is because it's one of those slice of life movies that throws the horror element in. Mm. And I thought that's why it works so well. So that was another favor of the fest for me because I just think those are really great, especially for the medium, too, where you're just jumping in and jumping out. Mm-hmm. So, tons of other films weren't as good. You know, the ones on Wednesday night, I didn't really watch, if I'm honest. I had them on in the background, held in the centers, but neither of them were really that interesting to me. Um, on the Friday night, I'm trying to think if any of those really stood out to me. I don't think so. There was another... The other one that I liked, because it was folk horror, was the... Um, oh, I can't remember the name of this now. The, the, the Harvest, the Blood Harvest. And that was a you know one of those films that that, that it's kind of annoying because it's like they always make it like it looks like you're with the Amish so it's American folklore and it's mm. always like the Irish landed here and blah 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 and they've set up their own community why do I not like that well let me tell you you know Ed's never been to my home he's seen tons of the pictures I grew up around these people all right they're not this isolated village community that you saw in Shalaman's the village they live right down the road mm. so if if crazy murders shitty things happen. 
people are going to find out because they're going to drive on, on State Route 50 right through the middle of it and be like, what's with all the dead bodies over there? You know what I mean? Like, sorry. Some communities in America can be really isolated. And obviously, I don't know anything about those, but... You know, like not not it's not a always. Too well worn trope. It just isn't. It's a trope. There were no Irish in the 18th century doing that. Like, mm. where would they have been living in Cincinnati, which was already like a big town? Like, mm. so I had to throw that away and be like, never mind. Forget the history on this because maybe they know more than I do about this, which is usually the case. So you know, I only have my perspective from growing up in Cincinnati, and I'm always like, Ugh. Mm. but the film itself was really good. Mm. It was all about like. Uh, has to do with a girl who's hidden from birth mm. and, and all the stuff that comes about uh, it's a revenge flick just to give that bit to it but it's worth a watch very worth a watch and it's playing tonight actually at abattoir so this is the cool, oh, cool the other cool thing about the video festivals and the last bit i'll say on this so i can wake ed up because ed is slowly falling asleep over there because he's like dude he just goes oh no it's on, not you i'm sorry i'm just really tired no 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 it's no worries <coughs> but the other thing i want to say about the video festivals we can close out that discussion and maybe move back to relic for a couple more chats but the um, you know, the thing with the video festivals, if you miss them in one, you can get them in another. So some dude on our Facebook group that we all have talking to each other has now created a list of like, if you missed it here, you can catch it in these three that's festivals. That's cool. And that's different because usually like, you'd have to physically go to those places. Yeah, yeah, but now you're just going to pay the, the festival pass. And so, so I may buy the Avatar pass tonight for the Reckoning again. I was, mm. I was debating. because like, we well, already paid for the movie once, Jason. You didn't watch it. Like, <laughs> is, it really, is it really good? Would you be able to do that twice and not have to worry about it? So, can you buy it like a one-off? I think so. I think that's right. It comes on at 11.30 tonight and I'm on vacation for tonight, tomorrow, and, and Friday from the day job. So I, I'm thinking it's a win-win. I think I'm just going to order it, watch it, and then catch up with it and i've got the only other thing is you know just so you know and this isn't because they pay me but itunes is having an amazingly awesome sale right now <laughs> for arrow video it was you know advertised at fright fest good job guys because you guys got at least 30 quid off me i think that way um bought the endless bought spring mm. bought uh, the dead don't die which we were right. talking about jim jarmusch mm. um but yeah everything is like cheap like and i'm talking cheap it was like three bucks for dead don't die it was like five bucks like you know, pound to five pounds, get a couple, you know, get your hot, for me it was fillers, it was stuff mm. in between the other movies I was watching, I wanted to have stuff, and I'm nearly gone through the whole list now, so, nice. do you know what I mean, but if you can't do that, then festivals, man, because there's, there's lots playing. Hell yeah. So, going back to Relic, yeah. then, just for one final kind of piece on that, you know, what was there anything you didn't like about the film? Anything that you would critique? And, and the reason I bring this up is the other half of what we do on the show, the other half of what we do as filmmakers, we will critique, not because we think it was a bad film, but because it is our job, you know, amongst each other to kind of try to point out where we think things could be better for, you know, our own product. I, I have to be honest, and this is not me trying to dodge the question. No, absolutely. But I think that it's such a personal story and such a um, female story that I feel like I, uh, like I wouldn't be able to tell it like that or, or or any better do you know what i mean like, so you, you yeah you just you know that's fine to say like no actually and that's a big deal by the way so you know australian first time director that's, that's eddie 15 <laughs> years experience saying like sorry man there's not a whole lot i'd actually go through with it but but honestly man from the very first moment it had me like pretty on the edge of my seat no and that and that's fine because we'll all have to flip that because again we're just trying to provide some guidance yeah, yeah. you know and say and it, again sometimes it's for me because i listen to my own podcast i know how narcissistic that is but it gives me more time with eddie um <laughs> creepy now okay, the next horror film podcast the horror film you know he's my bestest friend in the whole world oh my god i'm writing it right now in my head that's horrible that's horrible we're gonna do it so easy um 
So, but anyways, it's the idea is to give some ideas. So, where could this film have gone off the rails in your view? Either from, okay. a, either from a visual standpoint or from a story standpoint. And just explain a little bit why, because you just have that. Vi- the, I, these are the questions. It's ask Ed. You know, this yeah. is what I do when I'm like, I've got the story here. What do I need to do? And he's like, no, 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 do this. And, yeah. and then you won't run into that trope. I think casting Emily Mortimer was an interesting choice. She's a British actress. And I think that Australian actors tend to have really good chops for doing other accents mm. but it feels like other actors from other nationalities struggle to do an Australian accent it is a tough one isn't it yeah I, without it becoming like parody that's what I mean right? the only way I'm ever able to do it myself and I'm not an actor but I do mm. love doing voices is, mm. is to parody it like, yeah I, exactly. I, can't, I can't narrow it in no uh, and uh, and she was she was really good to the point of where I doubted for a second I was like is she actually Australian? And she's just been doing a killer British accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but she was really, really good. Um, I think it could have also been a little bit cheesy um, because the the labyrinth scene that we discussed, right, mm-hmm. where she's going through the house and stuff like that, it, it is just the house, right? And there, in fact, there were a couple of moments where I was like, you know, turn the light on, like go back the way you came you know what i mean like but but it always and that story that's that's because i I know exactly what you mean because there's you don't get you had when you're doing a labyrinth scene so breaking that down into and this is just me trying to to do the story bit for that Mm. like the reason it works is a labyrinth is is you know the best way to write about a labyrinth is to think of it visually Mm. How in and God that just sounded so stupid. But what I mean is, walk yourself in the labyrinth, okay? Right. Like you're gonna walk down things, and for a while, it's gonna seem fine. Actually, remember when I did that D and D scenario? You had you and Becky yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Ian had to go walk through my labyrinth, and it was so frustrating for them because all they do with dice rolls, yeah. and so they're literally like, it just looks the same, Jason. Yeah. What do we have to do to get out of here? Right, right, you right. have to create that first. Yes, like you cannot do anything else but say you're in a labyrinth. You are lost. Yeah. You are horribly lost. Yeah. And so they do that. She turns. She turns, and all of a sudden you're like, this all looks the same though. Mm. It's four four lefts is a circle. Why yeah, didn't she yeah. back by the stairs? I love that because yeah, yeah. the other one that I would tell you, if, if you like that effect and, 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 and you want to see a very cheap version of this done a very good way, watch Grave Encounters. So Grave Encounters right. is the found footage film about, you know, this is Grave Encounters. And it, it's one of my favorite films, if I'm honest, even though it's the, the film quality, it's a found footage. So mm. it looks very juvenile. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But they go into the catacombs on that. And part of the story, just to spoil that for you. Um, part of the story plays on Labyrinth as well. And the first point is they have to get lost. Right. And they have to get... The, the the way that is paralleled with this is they get lost in a building you see. So mm. you get a wide shot of it. You see the whole thing. You've seen this house, top to bottom. You just haven't been down in the basement yet. There's no Labyrinth that you can see. Mm. But all of a sudden she goes down there and sure as shit looks like she's getting lost in the yeah, Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah. And then she does. Mm. Then the next camera shot is boom. Oh my God, that quarter just halved itself. Yeah, then yeah. she turns around again. Oh crap, that yeah. quarter just... And that's when the tension builds. Right, right, right. So do you see how you have to lead them down yeah. into the labyrinth and then close the door? Yeah, and I think she did that very well. If you, All I'm saying, and it's because we're talking about how not to do it, if you did it the opposite way, she walks in, closes, 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 closes. That's a great short film, but doesn't build the tension. And right. so automatically you're, you might have, as you're saying, you're saying, funny, why didn't that happen the last time right, someone right, ever right, went right. down here? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So... That's a really good point. That it's not just the fact that there is a labyrinth; it's how the labyrinth is set up mm. and how the you know camera movement as well follows her certain ways for it. But when you get those corner shots, the four turns, they're exactly the same shot. Mm. 
that's telling you we're lost mm-hmm. because look, this just looked like the last one we were at and the last one. So it's the the memory. They're like, wait, what, wasn't this just what we went by? Right, right, right. Really great point because mm-hmm. there are ways to butcher that. God yeah, knows, you it, know what I mean? It's very easy to mess ways it up. to butcher. Uh, and I think perhaps the the final scene because we talked a little bit about it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you were like I don't know if I got it or, and I think that's always a danger when you're when you're being very metaphorical and, uh, you know, it's it's easy to lose people I think, um, but again she, I think I think I think she did just just enough. Do that's you know what right because I mean? what I would you know hawk on the back of that is it's all about choices Mm. so what we talked about on the phone last night when we were talking about this was one of the choices is for me get out of the house you're free Mm. you could end it there that's Mm. the pole you know that's the 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 non-poltergeist ending the we're not coming back for anything else we've we've saved it and to be fair like that's your standard hollywood not hollywood but you know what i mean yeah, like commercial like just it's just a popcorn film again kind of thing. It, the benny film you know what i mean which is about a stuff that everybody loves and i don't i haven't seen the film carl so I'm, I'm only commenting saying he could do something like that because i'm not sure i didn't get the impression what people are saying that that's all about the soul of that film it's more mm, the fun in that mm, film right, so right. maybe that's separating the two like Rel- sinister or something like that yeah where, where there's so much soul to it you know mm. and that this one was a soul film you're not yeah. watching this one for the laughs you know you're watching this one to kind of get in with them and see that so that was one choice to say no 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 i gotta tell you why i did this why Mm. do i even talk about a demented grandmother walking around and it's it's again it's dangerous because Mm. you could be saying it to people and adam felt the same way about the ending to a ghost waits Mm. and and a lot of that we had discussions with him which you'll hear next week on that you know it was it was do you do you tell it the way you are i'm telling you from every director that we talked to we're gonna have more on that's that's what i'm very excited about you know, they tell me, indie directors at least, and I, I don't know any studio ones, so indie ones, like, that's what makes your film work. Yeah. And I guess the other half of that is, you gotta be willing for it to not work then. Yeah. Choices are gonna have those consequences. Yeah. The other one we talked about recently, you know, I'm not sure if it's considered a studio film, indie film still, but The Nightingale. Hard choices. Yeah. Very, but that's the story she wanted to tell. Yeah. And I, sw- I you know, go back to that podcast, because I spent the entire time, and Ed spent the entire time, talking about that's why that film really blew me away because yeah. I had just gotten done watching, you know, 99 hours or 15 hours of story of film and was like, that's art. Mm. That woman knew she could get away with it because she'd made a great first film with the Babadook mm. and the second one, it was like, I'm going to do this because I can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as an indie director, you also have that ability. It's the benefit of being an indie director. If you're yeah. making your first film, you know, you can say what you want because it's your first film. No one knows what you And you kind of should, right? I think you have to because that's what makes you different from... You know, someone who just pays the bills exactly. with it versus someone that you want to make a film with. Yeah. So, choice there. Interesting third choice that I was still, as a producer, I was on the fence about. Okay. Did you need to infect all of them? Because that's what's happening That's a very at the interesting end. point, yeah. At the I very didn't like end, it. I was against it. I was like, no, yeah. don't do that. Like, why do we have to kill them all then? Like, that's not cool. Like, So, but... to, just to explain. So, at the very end, they're, like, all three women are, are kind of lying down on the bed... And the youngest daughter notices a black bruise on her mother's back. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, I see, I, I agree, but two things, I think. One of them is from a producer's point of view, another one's from the, the, the artist's point of view. Yes. Uh, producer's point of view first, opens up for a sequel. I mean, just on a very basic, simple level, right? Say it blows up and everyone's like, this is amazing. Okay, let's cash in. Let's do a second part. 
second thing is I think it's uh, it's almost a statement of the thesis of this film, which is you're going to lose your parents. And it might be for what they lost their parents, you know, whether it's Alzheimer's or, you know, heart disease, cancer, whatever it might be. There's a genetic link. And so I think that because I had the same reaction as you, I was like, oh, was that necessary? And then I thought about it a little bit more and I felt like, okay, it's still within the theme of the film. And I, I mean, and this is me, exp- you know, artist side, because again, mm. this is the weird thing about the show. It's like talking <laughs> the three of me is the, is the writer talking, is the director talking, is the product, producer talking. The artist side of me, so I would say the directing side of me gets that. And mm. I, I, if I'm going into what the overall imagery shows from what I hope is a feminist, a feminist perspective, but I'm mm. not a woman, so I can't, you know, I can't say that it is. It's that connection of taking everything between the generations. And I see that with my own mother and my sister. Mm. The good and the bad. Yeah. And I think women are a hundred times better at that than men. And men were all about, you know, Darwin. We are all Killing about evolution. Father, yeah. Exactly. Every single iteration of ourselves that goes on. I'm terrible about this with my daughter. It's always that you have to be better than yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why Why do we have to do that? Like, there's, there's no inherent... Yes, we have science that says that's how evolution goes, but does that really translate into family, into, uh, yeah. into, into generational society? You I know? think it's probably an evolutionary imperative, but because of our higher intellectual, you know, possibility then it's something that we do kind of fight against. That's right. So, I mean, it's the, the, the beautiful thing that drives, God knows it drives my wife nuts sometimes when I start talking about this stuff, the postmodern world stuff that we know. So we've been able to realize that some of these things, like, don't actually have a rational basis anymore. So your fear of flight, you know, influences you in so many, you know, not fear of flight, but that flight mechanism in yeah. you, you know, influences fight, fight you. Flight you know, so much. It can mm. have such psychological effect on you, mm. you know, that unfortunately we have to learn sometimes to suppress it. Yeah. Like, oh, no, we're not fighting the woolly mammoth in the middle of something right, right. now. Like, exactly. you're in a modern world. Mm. You know, I think from the male perspective, that's where we get it wrong because we were the, you know, we have been in control of the narrative mm-hmm. for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where that gets built in that fathers have to, like fathers want sons, yeah. their strength. I think women have a much better understanding that life and we've had this conversation a bunch of times. Like, life's not like that. Mm. From generation to generation in my life experience, and I'm only 38 years old, so it's not like I know that much, but from my life experience, like, it doesn't always have to get better. It doesn't have to get better at all. The whole point is the connection, not mm. the evolutionary improvement. It's right. the fact that you are bonded by blood. Right. And I just think, honestly, women have a much better understanding. And if I was going to try to artistically understand the ending to that film, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it resonated with me. Interesting. That I will take you in, you know, in me as well. Yeah. With all the things that you are. Good or bad. Good or bad, mom. Yeah. Because you were my mom, because I am you. Yeah. And you are me. And then the daughter comes to the back and does the same thing and says, we are all really the same woman. Right. Now, I don't know. I could get comment hatred on that one because they're like, yeah, that is the most trite explanation of a really good ending, Jason. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop trying to be a woman. I'm like, all right, man, my bad. My bad. I just, that's how I saw it, right? Yeah, and yeah. so if you take away that connection, it loses, in my mind, that little bit of femininity that's there. I get And that. so my reaction was because I'm a dude and I'm like, mm. no, happy ending. Like, mm. why you have to kill the youngest one? Like, mm. she's, she's young and beautiful and whatever. Mm. And I think that's like, that's her 
pushing as a director and saying that's not my movie. Mm. My movie isn't your movie right. because it's my film. Right. And you can you can handle it, Jason. You mm. can handle it, viewer, to understand that I'm going to probably kill all three of these people because. And, and I, I think it's, it's or do whatever it was. We don't yeah. know that they're dead. Like right. just infect all three of yeah. them. Uh, it was also very interesting to to hear the director talk in the Q and A and. The fact that she'd written this um, after her grandmother had kind of gone through Alzheimer's. So, in a sense, the director's point of view is that of the granddaughter, you know. Mm. And I can completely imagine, you know, as, as being the writer of the story as well, that there's an element of fear that that's going to be you in the future. You it, know? It, I mean... Speaking from personal experience, so I have in my family, and I won't say names or anything like that, but I have in my family someone who's like roughly in their 60s that mm. actually started getting, no one knew what it was in her 50s, like her mm. early 50s. Mm. It was tragic. Mm. Um, and, and like I said, I don't, I don't want to say too much because it's like, you know, I, yeah, I, it's personal it's stuff. people from back home, but when I do, you know, come home and see that, like, and it obviously it gets worse, like, yeah. it's scary. Yeah. Like, because you remember mm. what they were like, and she's young, so mm. you're like, you don't have that, like, well, they're just getting old now. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. It's rough, though, man. My my grandmother, um, my stepfather's mother, um, she was like a, she's a tough cookie, you know? Like, she'd played La- cricket. <laughs> she'd, she'd played cricket in her youth, and, nice. like, she traveled to Germany. She was at, like, some of the rallies in Germany in the 30s and stuff. Mm, mm. And then she, you know, was uh, one of the... Um, one of the WAFs, the Women Air Force yeah. volunteers and stuff. But, you know, she was 95, 96, and she, she, her mind started going. And it, it's a very scary thing as someone who loves and cares for someone because they don't understand what's happening. Mm. And That's um, the scariest thing. Yeah, exactly. It's and it's, just... it's seeing that happen to someone and then thinking, God, if I get to that place have knowing how how hard it was like when she was like where am i who are you like take me back home you know like getting upset because they didn't yeah no, i mean narcissist is jay right like what am i always talking about mm. like my mind is like my most powerful tool like right it's probably it's subconsciously it's probably one of my like oh crap like that's yeah, gonna really suck not, if that happens right not a good thing to kind so of no consider. i hear you man and and, I, and it's cool to tell you a story about your grandma because you know olga shiro so my my uh you know very multicultural and awesome but she the one thing you would always say about Olga, and it's why she liked my wife so much, is a uh, tough cookie, like yeah. a real tough cookie. So my favorite picture of her was her at like a high school, it was only like a pep rally or a PTA conference or something, and you see her, she's got these like raven black hair, these tall black boots. Mm. And she was she was a larger lady, you know mm. what I mean? But she was an imposing figure. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing, the reason you made me think about that, now we never got her diagnosed, but this woman had all sorts of health ailments because she smoked like three packs a day from mm. like 12. Mm. So, I mean, she had emphysema, she also had uh, like scoliosis but the biggest thing that you would say about grandma and the reason we were friends for so long is she was sharp as a whip man she was in her time she went to hunter's college in brooklyn like she was one of the only women that did that she spoke you know as many languages as i do five so that that was how we kind of had a connection that way she was really smart Mm. and and she kind of had to hang everything up because that's how it worked in america my grandpa you know also multi-race and had to get a job but he got a good job as an engineer so he could be the breadwinner so back in the day like if he had enough money coming in then it was like well you're not working and so she hung up all of that used to sit i remember above her kitchen table was her degree and all this stuff 
And so she was one of those people you'd sit at the dinner table with her and she'd tell you the most amazing stories because she was smart and she was interested in the mm-hmm. world and she had time to explore those things. A great artist as well. She made ceramics and things mm-hmm. like that. And then grandpa died. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I tell you, and like, it took, you know, you'd have to ask my sister because my sister is the person who moved in with her. God, we got to get her on the show. You know, my sister moved in with her because mm. it was that bad. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we, the woman who was the toughest person mm. we'd ever known in the world, you know what I mean? Mm. Literally just, I can't even tell you the stories, man, because they're that bad. I'd have to let Nikki tell them if they were going to tell them. But, and I mean, Nikki'd be the one to tell you more than me. But I only remember, I was a bad kid. And this is when you make confessions online because you feel bad for the things you did. I talked to her twice after that. I used to talk to her every, like every yeah, six, yeah. you know, all the time when I could. And I couldn't talk to her anymore. I know exactly. Because I get on the phone and yeah. she barely remember who I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just thought I was coming back all the time. And I mean, mm. lived in England. I never mm. came home anymore. And mm. so, you know, and sorry, just, you know, that's why we had no, this no, podcast, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. We share the stories and we're talking about the film. So mm. we're trying to relate with you, director, because yes. you got all that stuff out. And that's, I mean, that's why film's awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If it, if it can connect with you on that level and, um, you know, make you reflect on things. I think that that is a very, very successful film. Well, and I guess why, like, I'm unashamedly a narcissist. Mm. I must heard you will hear that word on this show 12 times a day. Like, I just love to talk and talk about myself, but I think it's because I'm, I love telling stories. Mm. And a lot of the stories I have in my life relate to things that I see. Mm. And it's not like I know everything. You know, I am mansplaining everything. You know what I mean? That just happens. But it is such a, a joyous mansplaining to me. And that's why I'm like, I'm not trying to tell people my life's better or that my life is, is as cool as what you saw in the film. What I'm trying to say is that isn't that awesome that we have that connection? That mm. like, I can remember this and your story really resonated with me because I remember how weird that was when grandma couldn't talk on the yeah. phone. A much smaller event in my life. I'm not trying to compare yeah, it as yeah, the no, same. No, I'm just course. saying... I love that film connection. Yeah. I love the fact that, and, and clearly other people had that connection. Yeah. You know, talking about dementia. We see all the adverts and things like that. Yeah. What so, was uh, the director's name? Natalie Erica James. Natalie Erica great, James. Great job. Really, and, and great really Q&A good. afterwards. Thank you so much. I would encourage, like, if you're making your films, even if you're not, because um, I do this, and, and it's funny because some people might find this a bit wacky, but I would get Q's and A's done, you know, with your press packs and stuff like that. This stuff's really important and it really helps get attention in a film. Like, sells, I liked Relic, but I liked it yeah. even more when yeah. she got on and told me what it was about. Yeah. Film I don't like, I may come back to if I heard the commentary and was like, oh, yeah, yeah. all right. It makes mate. you understand things. I think the first film that was like that for me and it was a bigger film was Ben Wheatley and Kill List. I was someone who didn't mm. like Kill List the first time around because I didn't really get what he was trying to do. I was like, so slow, man. Mm. Like, and this is before I'd watch, you know, I'm a big fan of Ari Aster, who has a similar style, but I just think his pacing is just that much more American than English. Okay, yeah. Where Ben, Ben's English, like he's like, you don't have to be brazen about this. You mm. have to just say, isn't this eerie and dreadful mm. that all of this is going on underneath? Have you seen Sightseers? No, I, I never did. That. The year it came out was a year I didn't go to Fright Fest. Right. And either, no, I played London Film Festival and I didn't go that year. Yeah, yeah, So, cool, man. Well, I think we are coming to the end of the podcast. I hope so. I haven't really seen how long we've been talking, but it's 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 a good chunk of time over here. So I think we're okay to let you go and let you get on with your day. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Like I said, next week, as long as we get the okay from Adam, if we don't get it then, it'll be the week after. We're going to be having an interview with with Adam Stovall, who's, you know, we did this. It was awesome. We had a great time talking really about a ghost really weights and everything else. Like, that's the thing. Adam, I, I kept joking with it because it was like he called me and said, Dude, are you having interviews on your shows? And I am. So Mitch and, and James and you know and Michael, like we'll, we'll get you on soon. <laughs> like I just gotta make the list and give calls to you guys. But 
you know, I said, yeah, I'd like to have people on the show. But I was like, you sure you want to be on my show? And it was like, yeah, man, I love your show. And That's I was like, awesome. It just made me cry. I was like, oh, you know, it is just us ranting for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. But, and after that, we will probably tackle the Mando because we do need to make, say our words about the new season. By then, we'll be up to episode three, I think, or four. I guess you can watch all of them. Fingers so, crossed. you know, we'll see where we get up to with the Mando and see if we put it for the one after that. But thank you so much for listening. Please, again, remember to check us on SoundCloud, Anchor FM, or any other podcast station, really, that you use. We'll be there. You can always get us from the website, www.lovevictoriaproductions.com. That is the full spectrum of everything that we do. Or check us out on the social media sites that we talked about before. But thank you so much for your time today, guys. And uh, any questions or anything else you need, just hit us up in the comments or via email. Okay, talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.